My guest this week is the amazing Amy Port. She's the co-founder and president of Heroic Public Speaking. They're a business that companies like Disney, QVC, and many others go to when they want to up-level their communication and speaking talents. We're going to talk about the biggest misconception when it comes to public speaking. We'll discuss why stories are more effective than even the content in your message. And we'll talk through specific strategies on how you can improve your speaking to achieve greater results in any interaction with anybody. You're going to learn a ton from Amy Port. Amy Port, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. I'm so happy to be here. You are one of my favorite people on the planet. So I'm the one who feels very fortunate to have you here. Uh, thank you. You know, when I when I know I'm t- going to be talking to you, I know it's going to be high energy. I know we're going to have an engaging conversation. So I'm I'm very pleased. You are a good and dear friend. Can you share with our audience something surprising about you that they may not know? Oh, so I'm going to make it personal, but not personal about me, but personal about you, Uh-oh. because I have had the pleasure in coaching you of actually in an attempt to get you to stop pacing. I have put you up on a chair and had you practice had you rehearse delivering from standing on a chair and I dare say it worked quite well. It worked amazingly well. <laughs> it's it's not exactly what I was expecting you to bring up, but the notion <laughs> of I, I I watched older videos of me speaking and it was kind of like watching the bear in the shooting gallery going back and forth. Oh. And I didn't even realize it. And when you found that you said, okay, I want you to stand still. And of course I still moved around. You said, no, no, Really, I want you to stand still. And then I remember you brought out if it was a stool or a mm-hmm. or a chair and said, I want you to stand on this and give this entire talk from that That's chair. Right. And 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 there's a couple of times I thought about jumping, but 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 it <laughs> but really you weren't gonna fall. You were not gonna you would not meander. Exactly. That's the hard thing about that is that just saying to someone, stop wandering back and forth, uh does not it's much harder than people anticipate if that's the pattern they have built into the muscle memory of their body. Absolutely. Which which is a perfect segue to what I really want to find out about is let's start with what's the biggest misconception Hmm. that business people have about public speaking? Yes. There are two of them, actually, the two big ones. One is that sometimes people say to us, well, I don't do that much public speaking. I maybe present once a year or or a CEO or a CMO will say to us, I just present at the annual conference. And yet, when we dive in a little deeper, inevitably what we find is that they are they are communicating, they are speaking in public on a daily, if not weekly basis. Because if they're leading a team or presenting to a boardroom or sharing or pitching ideas, that is all public speaking. I like to think of it as if you are doing anything other than whispering to yourself or talking in your own head, well, if there's someone else who hears it, it is public speaking. It is public communication. And so there are so many different applications for this work aside from taking the big stage at the annual conference. That's the first myth. What's the second one? The second one is that the information is what matters most. I, I think so often 
And it's one of the reasons that we are unfortunately tethered to the idea of slides or slides with bullet points or or slides that we are just reading off of, uh, is that the information is what matters most to the people listening. And yet all of us have been in those audiences where that's what the presenter thinks and we are bored or we do not retain it or we do not make any changes as a result of that presentation. However, if we consider that perhaps it isn't the information that matters most, but it's the experience that matters most, then we start to perform and to communicate in a very different way. And that's when our audience starts to retain what it is that we're sharing and where we actually become memorable. And that's that's the amazing gift that you have and the whole team at Heroic Public Speaking has is that ability to take someone's concepts or ideas and bring them to life. It, there's an interesting dynamic in that. And, and for full disclosure for people, I've had the good fortune of training with you and the team there multiple times. And, Such a pleasure. And yet you still keep the doors open for me to come <laughs> in, which is remarkable. <laughs> and and it's funny because people will come up to me after after an event that I speak at, after a keynote I give, and they'll say things like, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just you're so comfortable on the stage, and, and we just feel so comfortable. And it's almost like whatever you tell us, we're happy to follow. Mm. And it has nothing to do with the content or maybe very little to do with the content. And it's more thinking through things that most of us would have overlooked. And candidly, I overlooked for years. And and of course we overlook what is possible because most of us in business have not been trained as professional performers. And so we often aren't even aware that there's a process to creating content that actually makes it interesting and retainable by our audience. There's a process to rehearsing and, and, uh, preparing for that presentation that will make it more engaging and make us more compelling and even charismatic. Ian, lately, as Michael and I, Michael, of course, Michael Port, my husband and the co-founder of Heroic Public Speaking, we've been talking a lot lately about the fact that we think talent is vastly overrated. If we are relying on talent or natural speaking ability or the gift of the gab, then what we see happen with folks who who rely on that is that they get stuck on plateaus. There isn't a continued evolution. But talent only gets you so far. And that if instead we, we put some attention on developing skill and developing some craft around presenting, communicating, speaking, well, then we can just keep getting better. We can just keep becoming more effective at what we do and stepping into the roles that so often are offered to us uh, as we continue to to improve our speaking. It's, it's absolutely and it's and it's something I've had the pleasure of seeing firsthand, not just in changes to my speaking, but with other people where I'd see somebody first come into a program and say, wow, they, they feel really to me, they seem really uncertain and unsure of themselves and in a short period of time, all of a sudden you say, wow, I would pay to go listen to this person speak. I, mm-hmm. I want to I pivot a little bit because I want to make sure that our audience realizes we're not just talking about someone who is standing in front of an audience of thousands of people. In fact, I was working with a client of mine um, just this week, 
and they were preparing for a presentation to a client. So they had mm-hmm. already given the proposal. They're already the, one of the one of the three finalists. They're going to present, and the individual who's doing the presenting was in essence going through their slides and reading the slides. So, mm-hmm. what do they do in that situation? What 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 path can they go down so they're not just doing it? Because I will tell you, as somebody who was sitting in the room trying to advise them. I was thinking to myself, oh, no, you're reading the slides. You're reading the bullets. I always say that there are bullets on slides and PowerPoint so the audience can end their own lives because it's just <laughs> such a miserable experience to watch someone read bullets of text on slides. Yes, because in that case, I really think on some level we might as well just give them a handout or a written presentation. They're not yet – and it's so common, right? It is so common, Ian – but it's simply, I think it, it happens because we don't know any better again. And so often uh, individuals base those presentations based on what they've seen other people do. And one of the challenges is that once you see someone deliver a presentation, once someone sees you perform, Ian, they're going to realize, oh, wow, the bar was just raised. Now, the tricky point at that moment is that individuals either say, well, I'll never be able to do that. Or that's not what's expected of me. I'm just expected to deliver information, which hopefully isn't the path they take. Or they say, oh, the bar was just raised. How do I do that? There's so much potential in delivering in a way that is, that is a delight for, for, lack of a, for lack of a more professional word. But imagine a delight to, to be on the receiving side of a pitch. We work with sales professionals in in companies all over the country and beyond. And I'm thinking particularly of an event that we did, and there were some, some B2B saleswomen from Microsoft there. And some of the protocols that we were working through with them, they said, oh my goodness, we're going to use this. We want to use this in training our teams because if we can pivot from thinking that it's all about the information and therefore... I'm going to read the bullet points to make sure they get all the information and instead look at how we can use story, how we can use uh, our movement even to, to stage to some degree an experience where we are inspiring trust, we are inspiring confidence as we, as we transmit the knowledge. Well, then we're affecting what people think and what they feel, and that's where we affect what they will do. It takes all three to affect what they think, what they feel, and what they do. If we're just reading bullet points off of slides, we are, we are trying to affect what they're thinking, but we may not get nearly the kind of buy-in or conversion that we could get. And, and it was interesting because with this, with this um, client, I said, you may want to look at this HPS core program <laughs> that, that they're doing because – it will give you insight into how to structure your communication. I mean, it's just something that I think what happens is people say, oh, I've got this meeting. So what I need to do is I need to pull together all of this content Mm -hmm. and I need to present or read the content. And that's, what's going to move the needle. And it's interesting because as a business, they were trying to explain, oh, and we have experience doing a, B and C. And I said, well, 
you can tell people that or you can show them that. So what if you told mm-hmm. a story about one of those examples and say, look, there, there are many examples we have. This is the one that I think is most relevant to your situation. So mm-hmm. here's the scenario with this patient, with this, with, this, um, with this study we were doing, and all of a sudden it becomes so much more memorable – Yes. Because the people in the room say, oh, I remember that story. And the thing that I've learned from you and Michael is that (laughs) I can give a talk and and cover 20 interesting points. And people will remember the granular details of the stories, and they may not remember anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why is that? Why is that? Well, typically people remember what we make them feel. And they remember what happens last. Those are very often what people remember most. Stories are where we feel. And so often, if you look at any article on public speaking or presentation, they say, well, tell stories. Well, what isn't so often out there is, well, how do you, how do you tell good stories? Because to tell a story that lands flat or isn't well-prepared or doesn't have an emotional arc to it is often pointless. But if we can tell stories that forge a connection between our audience, again, whether it's a group of people or one person, if we can tell those stories, then that's, that's often very useful. So I'm thinking in particular right now of a woman who was an employee at an entertainment conglomerate that we have a long-term contract with. And her task at hand was to pitch to the C-suite. She was an illustrator, and her job was to pitch her vision to the C-suite. And for her, in her, in her design duds, to go and talk to the suits was intimidating and challenging. And it was the thing that would stop her in her tracks. So she was one of the individuals that we were training and coaching. And as she ran into a particular project that she was especially, especially excited about, passionate about, and wanted it to succeed. And again, I can't go into a lot of details here for, for a number of reasons, But one of the things that we reminded her of was that when it comes to illustration, the C-suite knows very little. That she was actually the expert on the subject. In the same way that the CEO is an expert in his arena, he had none of the knowledge or very little of the knowledge that she had. And that if this was a project she was 100% behind, that her job was to go in in a grounded and confident manner and a, with a strong point of view that would then demonstrate her expertise. Wonderful. So one of the things we're talking about here is, and of course, the steps she took with us were huge. We're still in process. We don't know the end of this story yet. But one of the things that we look at is, well, what is the big idea? Even if it's a five-minute pitch, what is the core idea that you want your audience to, to buy into? Is it a change in their worldview? Is it a change in their mindset? Is it, a, is it very simply that you as an organization and what you offer are the best possible thing for them? But if we know this is the, this is the spine, this big idea becomes the spine of the whole presentation, 
then that helps guide the rest of the content so that it becomes a step-by-step case. You make your case in that way. And if you know that, if you know what you're doing, then the confidence you you are able to bring into that situation and the freedom to then be free with it and tell the stories and and be compelling is much easier. Absolutely. It, it's interesting. When, when I was when I was speaking with this client um, this week, I, I said to them, I said, so uh, when I started the meeting, so who's in the meeting? Where do you think they're, they currently are mentally and where do you want them to be when you're done? Mm-hmm. And everyone looked at each other and said, oh, yeah, I don't know. I said, well, I think we should probably know that first <laughs> because yes. then everything we do can be towards that objective, which is yes. I want them to feel or believe this by the time I'm done. And then each thing that you say, oh, I think we should cover this. I get to ask a simple question, which is, will that help us get to that place? Excellent. Yes. And what you're describing is very much the process that a that an actor goes through. Now, Michael and I both have deep, deep histories in the performance world. Sure. We were both professional actors. He got his master's in acting from NYU. I got mine from Yale Drama. Uh, and sometimes people will say to us, well, I, I don't need to be an actor. I don't want to be an actor. But what you just said is actually at the heart of what an actor does, what a performer does. And that is twofold. We look at, as a character, if I'm picking up a script, I look at, as that character, where am I starting? What does the world look like to me at that point? And how am I changed throughout the course of this play, film, commercial? What's different? Where do I end up? And as speakers or presenters or communicators, we are looking at a very similar thing, which is what you just said. Where do they start? Where does my audience start? And where do I want them to end up? And in that way, they get a journey. And that is, that is precisely what we were talking about, that there's this myth that the information is what matters most. But we become memorable and our content becomes memorable when the audience is in some way changed by it when that they have an experience and they walk out in some way in a different place than than how they were experiencing the world themselves or their or the product when they walked in our sponsor is the super cool mailtag.io a chrome based extension for gmail that allows you to track and schedule emails you get real time alerts as soon as they open your email or click a link Try it for free for 14 days. You don't even need to give them a credit card. I asked for a special offer for our listeners, and boy, did they deliver. Just use the promo code Ian and save 50% off your MailTag subscription for life. For more info, check out MailTag.io or get more information in the show notes. And it's such a wonderful way to think about this because I think so many many professionals – If they're talking about how they're going to grow their business, if they're talking about how they're going to sell an account, they end up in this in this world of what I like to refer to as axis displacement disorder, where they believe the axis of the earth has shifted. The world now revolves around them. Mm -hmm. And it's all about, well, I want to make this sale instead of 
So what does the client have to believe to -hmm. feel like they're in a better place working with us than someone else? What does this job applicant have to believe to feel they'd be better off working with our organization than another one? What Mm -hmm. does this interviewer have to believe in order to hire me instead of somebody else? Mm -hmm. And if you start with that – now, you may – make a wrong assumption about what they need to believe. But at least that way you're moving with purpose towards an outcome rather than just meandering or metaphorically wandering around the stage. Yes. And of course, (laughs) what you're describing is very often what we then see on the stage. You can have a subject matter expert, someone who knows their product, knows their service very well in a pitch. And if there isn't uh, a drive to it, you will see their body language all over the place. You'll see them wandering or pacing or shifting. And that tells the audience something on a subtle level, if not an obvious one, which is that it's all kind of the same. It all kind of feels the same. It all kind of looks the same. That visual will actually muddy up, muddy up the content, muddy up the information. Whereas if we actually stand and land when it's useful, when we want to be strong and want to make sure that what we're saying is heard and move when there's a transition to another section or another point, then the audience learns through the physicality something about what it is we're presenting as well. I I often like to say, what if instead of the slides, you are the most important visual? Yeah, absolutely. If if you want them to build a relationship with you, then you need to be the most important visual. If the slides are the most important visual, well, they're they're building a relationship with a slide deck. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I often comment that there are events where they say, well, so – so can you send us your slides? I said, well, I haven't even decided if I'm going to use slides for your event. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oftentimes the production people say, oh, but we invested so much. Would you mind having slides? I, I can do <laughs> slides if you want to have slides. Like, I've, I've got a deck if you want me to have one. But yeah. it's funny. I've got, a, I've got a talk tomorrow where no slides. And, they, and they, they've probably asked my team four times, what are his AV requirements? He has none. Mm -hmm. You make it easy on them. They'll be slightly uncomfortable uh, because they're used to it all feeling the same. Yeah. And, you know, as we've worked with C-suites on investor days, I'm thinking specifically of an investor day that we helped uh, QVC prep for or a, a vendor day that we worked with Best Buy on. One of the things they said is, you know, that the death of these days is that it's one speaker after another, and they all feel the same. But we know that contrast is what keeps audiences engaged. And so to look at what's unique about you as an individual when you present and how to bring out your individuality and and not think of it as formulaic. If Ian Altman presents without slides, people are going to go, oh, there are no slides. And they're going to look at you and you are able to hold a stage and hold an audience. That is one way of many that we can bring some contrast in so that we don't all feel the same. As our friend Jay Bear says, same is lame. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So can can you give us a little bit of a glimpse and we're going to put in the show notes – information, how people can learn about this HPS core. It's something Mm -hmm. that I'm such a big advocate of and support wholeheartedly. But 
just give us kind of a little bit of a glimpse as to what this program is like. So if, if you were a, an executive in an organization, if you're someone who's not looking to become a paid professional speaker, but rather just wants to improve their communication so that all of their communication internally, externally with clients, with partners is taken to another level. What does that program look like in terms of the structure that gives people the tools to markedly improve? Yes. So one of the one of the beautiful and glorious things about public speaking training is that because the bar is so low when it comes to public speaking, when we have you in a room and can make a few small adjustments, it, it makes a transformational difference. And sometimes people say to us, "Wow, it's it seemed like it seemed like magic up there when you're coaching people." Well, that's that's not magic. That is craft. That is decades of the development of craft. But it does seem like magic when you're in the room it watching you do this with someone else, just so you know. <laughs> it does. It's it's very funny. And, and the, of course, it's delightful to be in a room of, of colleagues or compatriots uh, who you can see their jaws drop. You can see their eyes twinkle. And you know that what you're doing differently is working and effective. So HPS Core is a training experience that has two major components. One is that two-day, in-the-room, live, on-your-feet training experience here at Heroic Public Speaking HQ. That, that experience of being in the room and doing it yourself is essential. However, there's also a, quite a methodology that we've developed, both from um, our experience as speakers and speaker coaches and as performers, and that those protocols and processes can help before you even get in the room. And of course, once you're in the room and are starting to put some of it in practice, those processes and protocols continue to evolve your ability. So with HPS Core, there is a two-day in-person component, but there is also seven weeks of online training. There are videos and there are weekly assignments so that you actually integrate what it is that you're learning. It's not a passive learning program at all. We ask you to take what you're learning and immediately put it into practice because theoretical learning is one thing, but when it comes to speaking, communicating, and performing, we need to actually get it into practice, get it into our muscle memory and into direct experience. So over the course of that seven weeks, you have a module on content development. So what's the foundation of any great communication from the big idea through what you promise your audience and establishing that you know what the world looks like to them? We get into structures and frameworks that help you come across as an expert and helps your audience retain what it is that you are presenting. We get into storytelling. We get into how to effectively lead Q&As or, or be on a panel. Q&As are one of those things that everybody tends to think that they're, they're quite good at, but there's much more to it than, um, than just speaking about the things we're comfortable speaking about. And then we get into rehearsal and performance and how to really prepare in a way that lets us own the stage, create an experience for the audience and uh, be as effective as we possibly can be. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I've, I've seen the effect of people who have gone through. I know you also do individual coaching. There, mm -hmm. there, there are times that I've spent 
a couple days or a few days up at HPS headquarters and just there are elements to my current keynote that we crafted from scratch there. And it's yes. just, you know, it's just magical stuff that is so much fun to put together. Um, and I just think that this is the kind of thing that I just think can make such a pivotal difference in how effectively people can communicate when they go beyond just reading bullets on slides and they start realizing that, wow, so if I learn this element of craft, if I learn to intentionally communicate rather than accidentally communicate, I can actually achieve better results all with the same content, but with a different spin on it. Yes. And, you know, when we talk about craft, I think that's, that can be an amorphous thing sometimes for the listeners. We have a student who's an Olympian. And as we were speaking, one of the things I said to her was, think of it like this. I have no idea how you train. I might think, oh, well, if you're training for the Olympics, you just do more laps or you lift more weights or you do more reps. But you know that there's a training protocol that I can't even imagine. Speaking and the development of craft is the same thing. There, there is a training process that strengthens parts of our ability to be charismatic, to be compelling, that until you've begun it, it's very difficult to talk about. But if you think about how an athlete develops their skill, it is it is very much like that. And so whatever the area of expertise is for your listeners, perhaps perhaps you all out there can think of it like that. What is it that a layperson would not understand about what it is you know so deeply and profoundly and know that there is that much depth to the art and craft of presenting and speaking. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. What's the best way for people to learn more about what you're doing at Heroic Public Speaking and to connect with you if they have any questions? Yes. Well, specifically for CORE, they can go to heroicpublicspeaking.com slash core. That is the training that is coming up in the new year. Uh, beyond that, if there are specific questions, they are welcome to email me directly. I love to have conversations with people about this work. And my direct email is amy at heroicpublicspeaking.com. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing so much of your wisdom. And for our listeners, I'm just telling you that having spent a lot of time with them, it is remarkable what you can accomplish with the right guidance. And Amy, Michael, and the team there are just an amazing resource that people should avail themselves of. Thank you so much, Ian. Amy shares such valuable information. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. Remember, if you think that you don't do a lot of public speaking, unless you're just having inner dialogues, you are speaking in public. And information and content is not what matters most. Rather, people remember what they feel or what happens last. So you need to have a defined process for how you communicate to achieve the greatest results. And I would encourage you to check out their HPS Core program. There are very few programs that I just unequivocally endorse, and theirs is one of them. I don't get paid to do it. It's just something I truly believe in. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. 
If there's a topic you think I should cover or a guest I should have on the program, drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.